Today in business from Wired. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Sam Bankman-Fried sealed his fate long before the FTX trial. Prior to his arrest, the FTX founder did a string of media interviews to tell his side of the story. In the courtroom, those comments came back to haunt him. By Joel Khalili. The simplest legal advice is to say nothing at all. Sam Bankman-Fried, founder of crypto exchange FTX, who recently took to the stand at his own fraud trial, isn't very good at that. But most likely, it won't be his testimony that seals his fate. It will be the month-long media tour he embarked on late last year after FTX fell. Bankman-Fried is standing trial on seven counts of fraud in connection with the collapse of FTX. The exchange fell into bankruptcy after users found they could no longer withdraw their funds, worth billions of dollars in aggregate. The money was missing, the U.S. government claims, because Bankman-Fried had funneled it into a sibling company, Alameda Research, and used it for risky trades, debt repayments, personal loans, political donations, venture bets, and various other purposes. Bankman-Fried recalls events differently. On the stand, under questioning by his own legal counsel, he painted himself as a well-intentioned but overworked business person. He conceded that costly mistakes were made with respect to risk management, but claimed never to have defrauded anyone. For every potentially incriminating aspect of the relationship between FTX and Alameda, the sharing of bank accounts, special trading privileges, and multi-billion dollar loans, there was a logical business explanation. The arrangement was perfectly above board, he implied. This line of argument, says Daniel Richman, a former prosecutor and professor at Columbia Law School, was the most viable route to take for the defense, whose options had been substantially limited by the strength of cooperating witness testimony. But it was a Hail Mary nonetheless, in no small part because Bankman-Fried, in his parade of interviews prior to his arrest, had given the prosecution length upon length of rope with which to hang him. The decision for Bankman-Fried to take the stand was a high-risk play with significant potential downside. Although it gave him the chance to relay his own version of events, it exposed him to questioning by the prosecution. If he were to perjure himself and later be convicted, he risked a harsher sentence, too. But to mount the good-faith defense, says Paul Tuchman, a former prosecutor and partner at law firm Wigan & Dana, testifying was the only available option. It's very hard to make that defense without calling the client to the stand, he says, when the people closest to him testified the opposite. 
Bankman-Fried's lawyers will be pleased, says Tuchman with his performance in direct examination. The aim was to present an alternative narrative of events, he says, and give Bankman-Fried the opportunity to appeal to the sympathies of the jury, something the defense was able to achieve. In particular, Bankman-Fried was able to insert into the record his own version of scenes described in the testimony of members of his inner circle, including an interaction with Nishad Singh, head of engineering at FTX, on the balcony of their penthouse in the Bahamas. Singh, who had entered into a plea and agreed to cooperate with the government's case, testified that Bankman-Fried was unrepentant about FTX's reckless spending and was told the issue was people like me sowing seeds of doubt in the company decisions. But Bankman-Fried says he consoled Singh, who was very nervous, very halting, and laid out a clear rationale for the spending. Under cross-examination by the prosecution, however, a different Bankman-Fried was on show, a more evasive, forgetful version. To questions posed about the events that led up to the FTX collapse or public comments made in the wake, Bankman-Fried almost always said he could not remember or was non-committal in his response. In one period of cross-examination, when asked whether he recalled making various representations about FTX's risk management processes, Bankman-Fried replied to four consecutive questions with the same pre-canned phrase, No, but I may have. Another favorite? That's not quite how I would put it. In most instances, the prosecution was able to confront Bankman-Fried with exhibits, message logs, FTX documentation, interview excerpts, podcast appearances, and such, to help clarify his memory. The pattern continued. In the course of his testimony, Judge Lewis Kaplan chastised Bankman-Fried on multiple occasions for failing to answer the question posed, typically a signal that someone is wrestling with the cross-examiner, says Joshua Naftalis, a former prosecutor and partner at the law firm Palace Partners. That's the kind of thing the jury will pick up on. It's not all bad for Bankman-Fried. It may appear that the government was just brutalizing him, says Naftalis, but the FTX founder wanted to get certain things in front of the jury, which he was able to do. The problem is he didn't come out clean, says Naftalis. The government was able to land blow after blow after blow in an almost mechanical exercise designed both to imply Bankman-Fried is untrustworthy and cast itself as an honest broker of the facts. For Bankman-Fried to have come across as evasive could be deadly, says Richmond, because it implies that none of his responses, including to questions posed by his own lawyers, can be relied on. The defense had been trying to recast the narrative from his perspective, he says, but if the jurors conclude that he forgets things that hurt him, they won't be inclined to favor him. The FTX founder was bound to be evasive on the stand, though, because he had backed himself into a corner long before the trial began. Around the time of his arrest last December, he took a multitude of media interviews. He appeared on podcasts. He tweeted incessantly. He started his own substack. He submitted written testimony to Congress. Much of it reappeared at trial in the form of government exhibits. The volume of public statements available to the prosecution in this particular case, says Tuckman, is something close to unique. In the final stage of the trial, which may conclude as early as tomorrow, the prosecution and defense will present their closing arguments. The drama of Bankman-Fried's testimony, says Naftalis, will take center stage, used by the defense as evidence of his good intentions and weaponized by the prosecution to demonstrate his inconsistencies. If there is anything for Bankman-Fried to regret, says Tuchman, it is not the decision to testify, but the public statements he made before his arrest.
He made it significantly easier for the prosecution, says Tuchman. He made his bed, now he's lying in it. Thanks for listening to Wired. My name is Zeke Robison, and for more stories just like this one, visit us at Wired.com. Like what you learned? Subscribe everywhere you listen to podcasts and get more business news at Wired.com business. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.